Now on the tee, it's Maddie and the Caddy. Here's Matt Barry and Michael Collins. It is time for the dysfunction that takes place on a tee box. It is your weekly tee box dysfunction after a long Memorial Day weekend alongside the Caddy. Michael Collins. I am the Maddie. This is Maddie and the Caddy, the podcast. We appreciate all of the engagements that you guys have had via Twitter. Uh, via Instagram, at Maddie and Caddy, M-A-T-T-Y, the word and, C-A-D-D-I-E. That is both the Instagram and the Twitter. People have reached out to us uh, for podcast topics on Twitter uh, and all the engagements on, on Instagram, so we certainly appreciate that. Uh, we have we have a lot to get to today, Collins. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's, there's a really just juicy, juicy, juicy uh, topic with the USGA that we're going to get to is a Golf Digest article. We're going to lead with that. Uh, Collins is at the Memorial. He is working again, so we'll get to that. Oh. Because Tiger's playing at a tournament, so it's an official golf tournament. <laughs> and then, you know, look. Yeah, but how about the Kevin Na yeah. gifting his caddy a 73 Chevy muscle? And I kind of want to get into the greatness of Kevin Na at yes. Colonial. So we'll get into all of that. But I do want to lead with... One of the more salacious. Uh, Look at you, big words. Articles. Well, I'm going to get ready to go to the spelling bee. <laughs> See, that's yeah, that's uh-huh. what we should lead with. Um, <laughs> so I'm at Memorial, and where are you going? I'm headed to Washington D.C. today. We're taping this Tuesday morning, just about 9 a.m. Eastern. I hop a flight to Washington D.C. to host the spelling bee, the Scripps National Spelling Bee in Washington D.C. Which means this. Podcast, you're going to be trying to use big words that basically you just call him Bryson DeChambeau, borrowing some of his words, hoping that they actually match up to the meaning of the word. Salacious. S A L A C I O U S. Salacious. That is Ding. correct. Thank you. <laughs> oh, no bell. Producer That's right. Drew. The bell means you got it wrong. The bell means you got it wrong. So Nothing I'm... means you got it right. Hey, let me tell you if you think. The U.S. Open or a major championship has all kinds of pressure. I'm telling you, the pressure in that room during the finals of the Spelling Bee is incredible. I just want to make a prediction right now. Hot take. Hot take. Um, The winner of this year's Scripps National Spelling Bee will be a homeschool child. They tend to be. They they tend to get it done. Let me just throw that out there. I could give you a list of my picks to click. I could give you my power rankings if you were interested. <laughs> but I don't think they are. And I'm telling listen, I'm telling you this. Anyone listening to Maddie Nakati, if you can find some degenerate site that bets on the spelling bee. Oh, what do you mean? How hard? That's going to be easy. All right. That would be easy. Lay the farm on Nasa Modi. Oh, because, well, wait a minute. Did. Didn't she was a fi- yeah. She was a finalist last, last year. year. Yeah, yes. she returns for her fifth B. You can't coach that kind of experience, coach. That's right there. That's some New England Patriots stuff, right? I'm there. I'm telling you, she's a you dynasty. Five years to the finals at the Scripps National Spelling Bee. And, and here's the other thing: like we don't, you know, you've said this before, and we've we've outwardly admitted that we cheer for people sometimes. Yes, in the Spelling Bee, just like in any television production, you kind of root for who's good for the cameras. And Nasa's really good for the entertainment value. Oh, okay, good. So she will show emotion on her sleeve. Oh, she's great. I mean, there's a lot of talented kids that are in this thing, but uh, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to have the memorial on my uh, PGA Live app during and, and through. 
But uh, I look forward to being back out there at the spelling bee and then and recapping it with everybody uh, next week when we do the podcast, especially recapping the Memorial, which sets to be up a good tournament. But I had started the podcast, Caddy, by saying I, I came across this last night mm. and I sent it to you. I'm like, oh, this is good. Yeah, I got that email notification pretty late in the evening. Yeah. I was like, uh-oh, what and, is this? And I was reading from Golf Digest an article it was their US Open preview and it was titled US Open 2019 USGA Confidential caddy before we get into the 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 intestines of this article what would you say your opinion of the USGA is um here's the easiest way for me to explain it this year at Pebble Beach at the AT&T Pebble Beach National Pro Am Mike Davis played in the Pro-Am, and I interviewed him. And before the interview started, he looked at me and laughed the kind of <laughs> and goes, please be nice. And I looked at him, and I was like, when am I not nice? And he, again, just went, <laughs> so I don't, I don't think, you know what I am about the USGA? What I'm honest. You? I'm honest. That's it. And sometimes they don't like that honesty. Sometimes you love that honesty, depending on how you feel about what I'm talking about. And I've never said anything about the USGA that isn't true. And I've never said anything about the USGA coming from players or caddies that was false. Okay. Now, a couple things. Yes, you are correct. But you... Me and anyone else who follows the sport and loves the sport, we should not be apologizing for how we feel about the USGA because the USGA has done this to themselves. And in fact, you bring up Mike Davis. He is going to relinquish the course setup of Pebble Beach this year. He cited his air quote CEO demands Uh and a guy named John Bodenhamer is going to set up the course who has run the USGA amateur championship since 2011. So even Davis knows that after last year at Shinnecock, after the year before you had the air at Aaron Hills, here's the problem with what they did after they guaranteed, they guaranteed before we got to Shinnecock, they guaranteed that what happened at Aaron Hills and what had happened the last time they were at Shinnecock in 2010. I caddied that U.S. Open for Daniel Chopra. They guaranteed that it wouldn't be possible to mess that course up. They guaranteed ergonomically, hey, spelling B word, that they couldn't, it wouldn't be, that weather wouldn't dictate it and that they had too many things in place that for them to allow that course to go bonkers and haywire. And then after it happened, you know where they actually got off the hook a little bit? They actually got off the hook a little bit because on Saturday, by 2 o'clock in the afternoon, maybe 1 o'clock in the afternoon, the whole media center was losing their minds. And everyone is pounding furiously on their keyboards about to write an article about how the USGA is, you know, and I'm I'm air quoting here, the worst organization for golf, pause, blah, blah, blah. Like, they're going nuts. And then Mickelson did what he did, and it split the room. Where half of the room loved what Mickelson did, and half of the room hated it. And it 
completely took the eyes off the USGA and what they had done wrong and put the eyes on Mickelson. It was almost like what happened at the PGA Championship with John Daly. Well, everyone was mad about John Daly. Nobody was mad about the PGA of America. And all Daly did was say, can I have a cart? (laughs) Like they could have been, nah, can't have a cart. Right. And he would have been, okay, I, I can't play. They said, yeah, you can have a card. And he goes, oh, I can? I'll play. Okay, then. And everyone was like, how dare John Daly take a card around? Why are you mad at John Daly? Okay, let's, I don't want to get USGA. I, okay, we, you, 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 back to Phil. You touched a million different things there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I don't want to get to Phil yet because Phil's not the story yet. Yes. But when they talk about, all of the things that were done last year in the repeat of 2004 at Shinnecock. And the fact that the rain on Friday, it wasn't in the forecast this last year at Shinnecock. Friday night, they had one guy under par, and they had a really, really good tournament going. Oh, it's awesome. Okay, so then this one player goes on to say in this article that just rips the USGA, Says after Friday night, it one guy in a par. It was world number one Dustin Johnson. They couldn't have had it any better, but they went about their arrogant selves and destroyed the tournament. I was I was impressed at the fact that someone brought up that Zach Johnson, after he finished his round on Saturday, said they're gonna lose this course in about an hour. And it was 40 minutes, and but, the course was gone on Saturday. But think about that. Think about what someone said about them being arrogant because there is a whole list of people quoted, multiple major winners, including the U.S. Open champions, that says they've had a bad run of golf setups and decisions, and in some cases golf courses. They know this is a bad time. Controversy is killing the major championship. There's another guy. That goes on to say a multiple major winner, including the U.S. Open. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over when it doesn't work. That's where we are. There's a teacher of someone who's te- taught multiple major champions. They're amateurs who think they know it all, and it's a dangerous combination. I, what about what a teacher said? That the USGA is an organization built on egos. So it's really successful, very rich people being told what to do. And so people who don't set up golf courses on a weekly basis, like the PGA Tour, the European Tour does, these people are going to come in now and they're going to, I'm going to do it my way. I got it. And then another, someone else said that they, there were multiple PGA Tour officials giving them advice on how to set the course up, and they didn't take the advice. That's the definition of arrogance. Well, and then that that's where we are with this, because what caught my eye with this story, there were numerous things, but the one that caught my eye was that there was talk of a boycott in 2016. Mm. And when you see that, and not only do you see boycott, you see the two names that they trot out there, Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson, and Dustin Johnson, he of Oakmont controversy with the ball. He stood over it to putt. It moved. He didn't do it. They didn't know how to correctly do his score uh, for about seven holes. So you didn't know where Dustin Johnson was in the tournament. But think about those names. They said they probably needed about 25 guys to boycott, and it damn near happened. 
They said they only needed one, which was Tiger, but he wasn't playing then. But right. think about what we're talking about here. A group of the most powerful players on the planet thinks that your governing body and has lost its identity so much so that one, the most famous player on the planet, other than uh, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson made a mockery of you guys a year before, and we'll get to Phil in a minute. Yeah. But two, that they were willing to boycott a major championship because it's been a clown show since Chambers Bay. And all it, I don't even think it would have taken that many. I think if one guy, if someone like Dustin Johnson would have come out and they would have, hey, DJ, are you hurt? No, I'm not hurt. I just, I'm, I'm done with the USGA and how they set up golf courses and I'm not going to do it. And I think once that one chip fell, I think it would have gone a lot like the Olympics. That once one player said, I'm not playing, then other guys would have been like, hold up, DJ said, nah, cool, I'm staying with him. You know, or, if, if it's filled, then there would have been that whole camp, too, that just would have been like, eh, you know what? We're good. Thanks. I'm all right. And that that is a message and a power play that I don't know that even the PGA Tour players or tour players realize that they have if they did something. Like, if you really want change – then you stand together as a solidified group saying we're not doing that. So you do what you want and we'll do what we want. Thank you. And that right there will send panic through an organization like the USGA. Because Think about the PGA Championship. When have they ever gotten it wrong? We were just at a golf course that the USGA had a U.S. Open on more than one right. time. And Beth everyone Black. talked about how brutal Beth Page Black was. No one said it wasn't fair. Not one player. That's it. Or Even off the record that I talked to just on the side, not one person said that anything about the setup was unfair. But you go back to here, a major champion who says, let's be honest, since Chambers Bay, it's been a disaster every year. Tell me that one person come forward and tell me that that's not true. See, and listen to some of these guys in the quotes about whether or not they were going to boycott. It said we uh, we had about 10 to 15 guys who were willing to sit out after 2016. Some of them were big names. So my apologies. The boycott was after 2016. Uh, some of them were big names. Dustin was one. Rory was another. Another major champion and former world number one said I was prepared to do it. Absolutely. Another major champion said, I was one of them. And then multiple PGA Tour winners said, I would have boycotted it if it had come to that. If it wasn't a major, I wouldn't even play in it. And a lot of other guys feel that way. But that also had to do a lot about the money as well. Remember, yep. they had to up the money big time. Yeah, well, because- that's just another bullet point. In the discussion of the USGA yeah, you and their dysfunction, contract and hey, how much is the player is the player's purse going up? Oh no, no, that uh, we weren't planning on raising that. Like, wh- so wait a minute, let you me just give signed these... a one point one billion dollar TV contract, and you weren't going to raise the purse? Okay, so the yeah, so for the for the patron, let me give you what the money was. A uh, USGA signed a twelve year one point one billion dollar contract, as Michael alluded to, with Fox, uh, beginning in two thousand fifteen. The USG, USGA writes, now listen to this. This is where it's big because this is where they have the contention. 1.1 bill for 12 years. The rights went from $37 million a year with NBC and ESPN 
to $93 million a year with Fox. It almost tripled. So think about it that. It almost tripled. They said that the purse should be between 15 and $18 million versus 10 and 12. And they went as far as to have a meeting with the USGA to figure out where the money was going. How are you using this money to grow the game? Because you're not doing it. And, and they, originally the players were getting about 25% of the TV money. Right? Yeah, about 25% is what they were getting. So the math didn't add up at $1.1 billion. It went to 10%. So then they had this meeting and a player is quoted um, who is, and again, anyone who was quoted for this article was done, did so under anonymity, said winner, this, this guy was a winner of more than 10 PGA and European tour events, said, quote, they came to us a year later because they wanted to know where the money was going. They came to us a year later and gave a fifth graders pie chart breakdown of where the funds were going. We counted $23 million that was under the other portion of the pie chart. We asked what the other is, and I don't think we ever got an answer. That's 23000 23, 23 million. Kaiser Soze. And like that, it was gone. It was gone. You know? I mean, this article is so embarrassing for this governing body of the U.S. Open because, look, you could probably find people to to make your story what you want it to be that agree with you or disagree, but I think they did a good job here of finding guys that were didn't all agree on the same thing. But the prevailing opinion here is something we've all thought, that the USGA, and we said it on last year's U.S. Open podcast, it was our debut, we had it with Jack, uh, Jack Nicholas, that they just need to get out of their own way. And it's not about them. The, the To me, the hallmark of a U.S. Open used to be narrow fairways, tall rough, and it was a true test of golf. Now you've got 60-yard fairways. You're playing at courses no one knows. Like Get out of here with Chambers Bay and get out of here with Aaron Hills. I don't want to see him again. I don't want to hear from him again. I got bad news for you. What? Aaron Hills is going to be – they're going back there. They shouldn't. I, I completely agree with you. Wait do you see what they do – with Pebble Beach, I read uh, I read someone who went out there and did a preview of Pebble and saw all that was looking at the lines and whatnot. So the par five sixth, um, that f- the fairway bunker on the left hand side is going to be thirty five yards left of where the fairway starts. So it's not even in play. So do you think And then here's another good one. On the eighteenth, yeah. the fairway starts left of the tree. Oh, that's in stupid. The, in the fairway. That's just stupid. <laughs> that's you know But here's okay, what here's another example of this is their arrogance. If you remember this year at AT and T, it was a quagmire. Like it was rainy, nasty. Remember there was hail that's right. twice. Right, so Mike Davis plays. They play lift, clean, and place every day, and Mike Davis didn't lift, clean, and place his ball one time. He's a man of the rule book. No, he's a. He, that's a man of. This is. He, here's the problem with that. Yeah, it's great to go. How about that? I stuck to my guns. No, you showed that you are not viable. Like you're not willing to learn. Like you're that hard headed. And that set in cement in your ways that you're not willing to learn and adjust 
even if like you're willing to cut your nose off to spite your face. That's the epitome of that. Yeah. The epitome of doing something like that to go instead of doing things the right way, nope. It's my way is it. And even if even if you can be shown, listen, it it's okay to do it this other way because it still makes it fair for everyone. Nope. Not gonna do it. Not gonna change. Like that's that right there is the the fundamental problem with the USGA. And where as much as I look, I'll rip the PGA of America just as much, but because they they're the first ones to come out and say like when they had the whole debacle with Dustin Johnson and there, why isn't there a rules official with every group out there on Sunday, especially like the final 10 groups? Their response was, we're a for-profit organization, which is them saying we're not spending the money on rules officials because we want to put the money in our pockets, where the USGA is a non-profit organization. So everything they're doing is not for profit, yet... Love to see some of them salaries and bonuses. Well, yeah, not for profit. Twenty three million other. <laughs> that one point one bill, that's certainly not for profit. Twenty three million other. But they have created think about this. Think about if I mean, and I'll take this to other sports, the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NFL. Think about if the NFL got so into themselves and their rules that they had a player, Tom Brady, Drew Brees of that stature openly do something on national television to mock them and make a point. And that's where the USGA is. And that's where they got to with Phil Mickelson. Imagine if the NFL gave up running the Super Bowl and they let a high school league run it. Cause people would say NCAA, but they're way too big of an organization. I say, Imagine if the NFL said, hey, we run the regular season and we run the playoffs, but for this Super Bowl, um, we let Lancaster County, <laughs> Lancaster County Athletic Association, we let them run the biggest one. We let them have the Super Bowl. Uh, and then they go, so yeah, it's awesome. When we get to the Super Bowl, uh, we're going to make the field 108 yards long. 108. Why? Just that's what we're going to do. And then we're going to make the field goal post about a foot and a half higher and a little thinner. Yeah. Cool. Everybody all right with that? All right, let's play. Like, what team is going to go, look, we made it to the Super Bowl, but we're we're not playing. You know, screw that. Like, you're not going to try and play for the Super Bowl trophy? Now, if you wanted to show your power – you would do that. A team would go, the New England Patriots would be like, hey, guess what? We ain't going. You go, what? We're not going. You don't play the same game that we play, and you don't run it the way that it should be run. Things aren't right. We're not going to go. Right. But- no, look, it's a, I think that's a fantastic analogy because that's what, that's what you have. You've, you've got a, a, a major championship being screwed up because of the, the, because of the governing body, and – then you have a superstar like Phil Mickelson doing what he did. And I forget, where did you stand on the Mickelson thing last year? I loved did you? it. I loved it, and I ripped Curtis Strange for ripping Phil Mickelson. I thought you were on the other side of it. Absolutely not. Because Absolutely we, we, then we both not. we both loved it. And players in I this article. I went off on Curtis Strange. 
I went off on Curtis and then had to tell him straight up, hey, man, I'm sorry I went at you that hard. But you were wrong, dude. You were you were I understand you were in the heat of the moment. I understand it was your your thing on Fox and you were but you were like the old get off my lawn guy, you know. Well, and here's some of the guys that were quoted in this article about the Mickelson drama. Um, all of this in a roundabout way is why Phil did what he did. Uh, don't drive the field mad to the point where one of the best players of the last 50 years is running after his ball and stopping it off the green. To me, one of the big ones, uh, it was a big middle finger to the USGA. Another player says, a guy that's won more than 10 events said, we all wanted to do it. And that was the the prevailing theme. There's a couple of guys that disagreed with him, but where was the one... You like the one that said Phil's never done anything that wasn't pre-planned. I love that one. He must have known. Oh, this was a good one, too. A teacher of multiple major champions. He must have known he would have been DQ'd, but he wasn't. The rule was poorly written, so he got away with it. He should have withdrawn and said to the world he was making a point about the USGA runs the National Open, and I would have been okay with that. See, I'm of the camp of the former U.S. Open champion. The only thing Phil got wrong was his bull bleep excuse. Yes. I loved every minute of it. Otherwise, it was the right guy saying the right thing. F off. I've been playing in this event for over 25 years, and I'm the biggest lover of this event in the world, but you finally ruined it completely. And that's that's the only fault that I had with Phil. The only fault that I had with Phil was when he first came out, Trying to have that whole cockamamie story of well, I knew the rule when I ran out and hit it, blah blah blah. This and that, and like, and I, if you remember, he was playing with beef. He was playing with Andrew Johnston, mm-hmm. and even Andrew was like, oh, "What?" And they were both laughing, walking to the. Yeah, next they were team. laughing because it was such a joke out there. Correct, correct. So Phil coming and trying to come up with that. Kaka made me an excuse about why he really did it. If he would have just came out and said <laughs> blatantly F the USGA and what they did to this golf course. Yeah, and that would have been the fact that he was right, the fact that he was right was proven on Sunday. It was proven on Sunday by how the USGA went too far the opposite way. So that that's a good study in human psyche, all right? Because you have them, USGA, saying they're not going to do a repeat of 2004. Okay. Well, they got some unplanned rain. Course was softened up. You had this thing perfect going into uh, Saturday. Then, because they're the, the the big guy that's got the power and they know it, they know that they have the power to affect the tournament, so they used that power. And then all of a sudden, there's backlash and there's world popular player making you guys look stupid on television. And all of a sudden... They back down. And to me, what this says about them is they're that bully that talks all the talk, and the second you get them in a schoolyard to fight, they back down. Just punch them in the face one time. And it makes them look stupid that they can't just come together as an organization and have one prevailing setup, thought, and order to make this enjoyable again. Because they've made it all about themselves since uh, Chambers Bay. They made it all about themselves. And now it's time to go back because they just seem to me to be a group that's going to do what they think is cool behind closed doors. And the second they get criticized for it, they'll tuck their tail between their legs and relent. 
I don't think that it's they're trying to make it all about themselves. I think like Mike Davis not playing lift clean in place, they are so focused on making even par the winning score that they will go to any means necessary. Why? Well, I Why don't even know. par? I I I don't no, I These don't. guys are the best in the world. I don't want my best in the world playing even par. Well, here's I, and this is something that a player more than actually more than one player that I talked to said and where I have to give Augusta a lot of credit because of this. And the two players that I talked to about this both said the same thing. That Augusta National, if they wanted to, they could make even par the score. Well, they, they tried could, that. They could get their greens up to 20. If they wanted to, and make it almost impossible to putt and play, they they could, but there's no reason for them to do that. Like yeah, it and it's be, the most it, entertaining major of all of them. Correct. It would, it, and that's the whole point. It wouldn't be number one entertaining, and if it's not entertaining, is it growing the game or is it diminishing the game? Well, remember, is it respectful to the game or is it disrespectful to the game? Think about what. Augusta National did post Tiger dominance and all of that. They tried an era where they wanted to make it, you know, socialism and let everybody get a piece. Tiger proof it. Right. And what happened was, and it got boring and it got bad and it it just became not fun to watch. And Augusta's like, oops, we should probably go back. And here's the thing with the Augusta National. There are no roars on the back nine. Why am I turning the TV on? And the greens are as hard as any green on tour. But what doesn't make them kill the course or kill the score is the pin placement. They're pay- placing the pin that's not going to absolutely kill a golfer because they've got to contend with pin and green. And the USGA does the exact opposite. I love the fact that the RNA, as much as I, I am not a fan of one or two of their rules officials. Oh, you don't like Dan because they wouldn't give you access. What? No, no. You were a guest in their country. What? When you didn't get your credit. Last year, you couldn't get your interview with the caddy. Is that what you were complaining about last year? Nah. Oh, no, 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 no. No, that was just, you know, if you know the right, you just got to know a guy that knows a guy. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and I, was that? Yeah, that was last year. We can cue that podcast up. You oh, came back yeah, real. Right. You came back real American salty about how they treated you over there across the pond. I was kind of hot that, but that was the first time that ever happened where I got blocked out. And I thought it was great. <laughs> See, that's because you weren't trying to get to your friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't like I was there trying to steal food or something. I just wanted to talk to my friends and and let everybody in behind the curtain. Like, the, the RNA has it right. They saw you and they're like, "That's an American." I could have gotten much more dirty, American, <laughs> if I needed to, but I didn't. I was, I played it. I was as nice and as, as I could be, even though I was miffed. But they get it, but, it. But here's where the RNA get it gets right. It right. Yeah. They just set the course up and Mother Nature decides. Which is awesome. Yeah. It's fine. If you remember one year, <laughs> one year when it was blowing, I think one of the funniest things, now the only time they've gotten it wrong, is if it's blowing that hard, then the balls start moving on the greens. And I'll never forget, it was Brooks Kepka who was told by an RNA official, you have to play. And he goes, F you, I'm not playing nothing. And the guy goes, excuse me, sir, you are speaking to a lord. And he goes, F you, I ain't playing. <laughs> like, 
And that was and he just snapped that Lord in half. It was awesome. But that's the only time they've gotten it wrong was when they tried to have guys playing when the when it was blowing so hard the the ball was moving on the greens. That was the year that we went to Monday. Yep. I think that was at St. Andrews, yep, I think. That's exactly right. Um and so it was the last year ESPN had the broadcast, wasn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. right cuz Scott Van Pelt and I walked we uh went out there onto the to the bridge on 17 and it was just it was a cool moment, man. It was cool. It was a real and Arnie was there, which was also another really cool moment. Um, seeing him crying, walking up 18. Anyway, RNA just, they have that own, that's the only time. And it wasn't anything they did to the course. It was just mother nature. They misplayed mother nature and guys who weren't playing were deciding whether guys who were playing should play or not. And that's the only thing they got wrong. Okay. Think about that for a minute though. The RNA. And we know this about them, and we know this about the Open Championship. One thing I love about the Open Championship is early morning golf. But two, mm. they know that they have Mother Nature to play tricks on the players. On now, their side. If you are the USGA and you know you don't have that, what do you have at your disposal? You have the natural course set up. You shouldn't have to do anything to it. And hallmarks of great U.S. Opens were narrow fairways and tall rough. Not our problem. The Americans can't hit it straight. But to go to courses where they had 60-yard wide fairways was a joke. That's not a U.S. Open. And yet Kepka going 16-under at Aaron Hills. That's so because Look, the Chambers place— Bay, Chambers Bay and Aaron Hills— Ruined it. Yeah, because the USGA set up—they tried to have open British Open golf courses. That's basically what they did. They went, but if you remember, Rory ripped the U.S. Open about Aaron Hills and the fairways being too wide, and that dude was not around on the weekend. Yeah, Why? Because he fairway. couldn't hit a fairway. How can you miss a sixty-yard wide fairway? You should have to leave Thursday. I let yeah seriously. <laughs> I mean, you shouldn't even be allowed. You know, sixty-yard wide fairway is a driving range. That's what I'm saying. Like you're not even allowed to play Friday. Even I'm hitting a that fairway. Thing. Uh, well, take it easy there, Chief. <laughs> 60 yards. I mean, even I'm just punching Ian down. Ian Baker Finch could have hit that. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's button up the USGA conversation. I'm going to have – I have two questions for you. All right. As we button this up, and if you haven't read it, golfdigest.com. It's the U.S. Open 2019 USGA Confidential. All this will do is make your blood boil more about the USGA. But, and worry. Right, It'll so, make you worry. So question one, where – should the USGA go from here knowing that the rift between them and players has never been this bad? I don't know. That's my that, – quite Good honestly. I, I don't know. I don't know because there we are so close now to this U.S. Open that they don't have time to backtrack Pebble. Well, and what scares me? Here's what scares they me. can and they can in some areas, but I would agree with you. Overall, you've been working on this course setup for a while. Where right. you where you can control it are the greens and the pin placements. Yes, you can, but Pebble Beach is the one place where Mother Nature will have a say. She will. She's real moody down there. She put yeah. She put over there potentially whatever. can be like she can be. Yeah. So all right, she can be a bitch, but. You know, for the U.S. for the USGA, I would love to see them. 
just one time for this one, especially Pebble Beach can stand on its own this time of year. Like it can be firm enough. It can be fast enough. The greens are going to get bumpy and crusty in the afternoon. Even if they get a little bit of rain, the, the course drains pretty well this time of year. Let the course be the course and let's just see what happens. I don't think that the USGA, even with a different guy setting the course up, I don't think fundamentally they can change without without someone punching the bully in the face. The bully's always going to be a bully. I disagree. I think they have to change. I think that they know that they're close to having an absolute chaos. You think this article is the thing that pushes them over the edge? No, I think what this article... Come on, Mike. You know how this stuff works nowadays. One thing gets out of the public sphere with an article, and and then social media goes and ignites it. Yeah, well, that's because all the social media warriors jump on it. Hey, there's a soapbox. Dun, 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 dun. But all you need, all you need is talkers and talk sports talk shows to say Dustin Johnson and Roy McElroy almost boycotted the 2017 U.S. Open. There's your headline. There's your talking point. There's your slap in the face to the USGA. I will say this as we move on from the USGA conversation. If I'm a major champion or I'm going into a major championship, you know what the ideal score for me at a U.S. Open is? The ideal score, somewhere between five and seven under. Oh, for wow. me, that is an ideal score okay. because five under through four rounds means that you had to earn it. Seven under means that you had one decent day and the rest of the time that you had to earn it. Seven under is only roughly 2.1 2. under uh, whatever it is around. two under around. I mean, so. I, I would I would say four under. If you shoot four under every day, then you allow yourself one day of serious mistakes where you mentally got beat up. Wait, but then how much under a day? One under. Okay, one under. Four under. Four under total. If you shoot, if you shoot four under total, yep. if you shoot one under a day, then you've allowed yourself a set. If, if we're playing this as a par 70, you have allowed yourself then one day to be mentally beat up where you shoot 74 or 75, but then you also allow yourself – one day where you stay mentally strong and shoot 67. I buy that. Maybe I, I, I buy four under. 67, 68, and then one day of one under par where you're just grinding and it and you grind out that one under par. And I think that's a fair I think that's a fair test and I and I think you I just think don't want to get into a lot of par golf cuz par golf not, is boring for these guys. Yeah, and I don't I don't enjoy watching torture golf. Like if I want to see a guy go out and shoot 81, I can see that for free every day. Like (laughs) whatever. It doesn't, why should I pay to go watch a pro do what I can see my buddies do all the time? All the time. Yeah, whatever. Like I already know Dustin Johnson can hit it better than my guys. I want to see it. I want to see that. I don't want to see. Hey man, watch DJ have to hack out of this rough like Bill did yesterday when we played over at the Muni. Like, yeah, isn't that awesome? Nah. And even the people that say they love it, they don't really love it because they don't watch. They just say that they love it, but they'll turn the TV off just as fast because they're bored too. They just love that. Yeah, the USGA got them. Like, nah, it wasn't all that awesome. Can I tell you, by the way, speaking of Bill and Bob at the club? Yeah. Next round that I play, I'm going to have a separate scorecard for every shot 
around the green, including putts. And then I'm going to take those and I'm going to divide them by half. And I'm going to, I'm going to give myself a paper cut, ripping the card up because it is clearer to me than ever. Just from you, you bring that up. We're bringing up governing body and USG and how they can screw up the course. You know who just screws up the golf for you and me? You and me. <laughs> there are so many times, you know, playing with, with buddies out at the club and we're, you know, all, when you can play shot one and two, as good as you could do, perfect drive, perfect second shot, you you push it left, leave it in the sand for your second shot. It was good contact. You had the record. You leave the ball in the sand after your first shot. So now you're <laughs> now you're on a three. Then you then you blade it out. That's a four. You don't want to fat it. Right. right. Then you blade it out. That's a four. <laughs> then you if you're lucky, two putt, and it's a double. It's a damn double. Or Why? after you blade it across the green, then you chunk the chip coming back because you're in the grass. Right. Now, and you walk away with a chip. Or you just, you go, look, it's seven. I got to pick it up. I'm, I'm just- sick of it. I'm <laughs> done with it. All of these stupid shots you collect around, I'm done with it. You know, they, what did they tell you? Look, what did Dustin Johnson, Butch Harmon, told Dustin Johnson Stop bleeping worried about drivers and long irons. Get good from a hundred and in and around the green. Seventy five percent of your shots in that's, golf come from seventy five yards in. That's it. That's it's, what it's all about. But that's the one part of the game. No, you, no one likes to practice that for the most. They don't. Part. You don't go to a driving. It's not called a. It's not called a seventy five yard range. in range. Right. The driving range. Right, because you want to unleash the beast, man. There's look. I'll be the first one to admit, if you're having a bad day, there's nothing like going to the drive range and getting that drive round, just pumping a few. Yeah, but you, you know, know what sucks is after you have like a, a bad day on the course, and then you go to the range and you look like Tiger on the range after you were just out on the course looking like you had never played before. You mean like what Tiger did at the PGA Championship, Ranger Rick, as I mean, he calls himself, but like you he's can- out on the driving range just. Pure in it, and everybody's walking up, going, oh, man. "He's gonna destroy everyone again." Yeah, okay, all right, calm down. I'm gonna be I that love guy. Tiger as much as all of y'all, but come on, man, this, we got into this argument. That's the problem on the range. It's so. Oh man, easier. I'm a five or a six on the range. <laughs> I mean, I am. I'm a six. Single I'm a, I'm a six on the range. That's I'll, what you know. What I'll point we need to flags. Start that. We need to have – there needs to be a handicap for the driving range and then a handicap for the course. Yeah, the handicap for the course is the course. It's me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's everything around the damn green. Like, I'm sick of giving – I'm sick of that. <laughs> but, boy, you put me – I'm going to start accepting invites to all these celebrity tournaments and just go into the range and have That's people watch me in the range. That's going to be gone next week. And, and then I'm going to – Next week. BMW. I know, man. I had to uh, respectfully decline this year. Oh, man. It kills me. You can't come. I know. I had it all the way till till fr- I had to work. I had the Friday off. I couldn't get the Saturday have or Sunday off. Have you seen off. the lineup of celebrities that are going to be I have. There? In fact, and I-, I just found out, too, that it went from I thought it was still going to be three courses and you you play. So, there's a Friday cut. That's what I'm saying, which I was planning on missing anyway. <laughs> so I probably could have been back in time for Saturday. I'm going to pull bro. a you for a second. I'm going to pull a total you name drop. There we go. So I was with uh, your boy Anthony 
and Anthony Anderson. It was with your boy Anthony Anderson at the uh, Disney up front, and he and I were talking about the BMW because he's, he's going to be there. Yeah, yes. He's like, so when when you get there, when are you going to be there? And at the time, I thought I was still in, and then I couldn't get the time off. So it was a total you move talking to this guy about a golf tournament we're all going to be in together. <laughs> Anyways. But now, UWD. I am. I had, to with, I had to withdraw from my sports center. Look, someone in this podcast Bruh. has to work for the network. All right. I, look, I am sorry that I am the golf guy. Like, <laughs> that is true. I didn't make you choose <laughs> to be a spelling bee. <laughs> yeah, no one. Let me tell you, you uh, no one says, "Hey, send the golf guy to the spelling bee." That wouldn't make any sense. Actually, I wanted to pitch you to be the spelling bee reporter because there's. A, let me tell you, that. there's this there's this uh, area of the. Spelling bee after the the kid gets eliminated, and I have to pull up this email because I have to give you the exact wordage of it. <laughs> it is called. Where is it? I saw it in this morning's email. This is the post spell press? It's like a kid. <laughs> it's called like a. Oh yeah, it's a kiss and cry area. <laughs> And what it is? The kiss and cry. It's area. the kiss and cry area because it's where you know when the kids get eliminated, they go off into this little area. And today and there's a kiss them. Today there's a meeting for the kiss and cry helpers. So I wanted to pitch you to be the reporter in the kiss and cry area, <laughs> to where after the kid gets eliminated, they see your dumb ass in shorts, <laughs> shirt tie, and a blazer. Bruh. They're not going to cry if they see you. You know what else I would have? What? Ice cream. Right. How great is that? You see what I'm saying? You are the- No matter are... how bad life is when you're a kid, if somebody's standing there and wants to hand you some ice cream, you know what? World's cool. We good. We you, good. You as the kiss and cry guy, there would be there would never be tears again. Nope. I don't allow. There are no tears with Mr. Mike. And I would throw down to you from the set. I'd be, let's go to our kiss and cry reporter, Michael Collins. <laughs> Collins, what do you have? And the kid would already be laughing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much so. And you would be far more successful as the kiss and cry guy at the spelling bee than you would doing anything else. I'll get this done for next year. I don't know about that. Well, hold on. No, 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 no. Because if this, I'll tell you right now, if the date conflicts with the BMW and I got to choose between kiss and cry and teen it no, up. No, it's this week. You're not going to miss it. The BMW is next week. Okay. Oh, okay. And the words conflict, not conflicts. It's conflict. No, it's not. They, you know what? You 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 say you say compass. You can't be in the spelling bee if you don't say compass correct. Because right. <laughs> there's a U in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. All right. Coming up next, we'll talk about the Memorial Tigers return to golf, and we'll we'll let Caddy give a little dap to Kevin Na hooking up his caddy. But first, we all love a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on our favorite team. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look in the seats in the section and the row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive 10% off your first ticket order to save even more money. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. First-time customers can use promo code GOLF for 10% off your first Vivid Seats order. Every purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app, enter the promo code GOLF, 
for 10% off your first order on Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. Welcome back to Maddie and Caddy. They call the Masters a tradition unlike any other, but I would like to point out there to the beautiful patron, a tradition unlike any other is Collins at the Memorial with me on Sports Center getting milkshakes all over his clothes. Okay, can we be honest about that though? Yeah. It was like two minutes before we were going on air. And I went to go get milkshakes to show everyone they have a milkshake called the Buckeye, <laughs> which is just infamous here. And it is the it is it's honestly, an Ohio thing. It's a Jack Nicholas thing. It's a Jack it's, Nicholas yeah. thing, and it is the best. It I, I'm not gonna lie, it's the best milkshake I've had. And Buckeyes are made with chocolate and peanut butter, so that's all you need to know. That's you know what I mean. Like it's and they overfilled it. So as I'm walking out and it's really warm, I'm like, hey, I got to get rid of some of this. So I go to take like a sip out of it and it had already started dripping down the cup. So the drip (laughs) hits my tie and shirt and there's no way to hide it. None. So right then it's time to make a corporate decision. And that is, do you try and hide it with the jacket or do you just own it? You own it. Yeah, that because here my thing is, and I know how social media works. If I try to hide it, then people are like, "Look at this knucklehead on there thinks that nobody sees his stained up chocolate tie and stain on his shirt." And then it's like, "Yeah, the fat guy, right?" Like, <laughs> you know, I'm not stupid. I know how this works. Where if you're just like, you know what, screw it, I'm gonna own it, <laughs> then put some more on my shirt. And like, you know what? Let's do this because these are delicious and this probably was going to happen anyway after the fact. So, so you'll be, you'll be, uh, we'll, we'll be on TV together this weekend doing yep. some, okay. Oh yeah. I'm here. And, and, and it's apparently like a huge, I tried to, I filmed them making the, the Buckeye milkshake here yeah. and then wasn't allowed to use it because of some of the ingredients. Oh. Look, if there's one thing we know about Jack, which you can listen to the first ever Maddie and the Caddy episode uh, with us and Jack Nicholas, he yeah. his, his we he takes his ice cream seriously. Oh, well, I mean, those kidding? are state secrets in there. Yeah, and that's the funny thing too. <laughs> me and we talk. Me and him talk ice cream a bunch, which sounds and trust me, everyone, it is surreal as you as it sounds. The fact that. I get to sit down and talk ice cream with goat one A, one B, what you know, whatever the the other the whether he's the goat or goat A. He's the most decorated major champion of all time. Yeah, you know it's it's uh, and I'm talking ice cream with Jack Nicholas. Like it's the coolest thing. It always comes back to ice cream with you as the kiss and cry guy. And Hold that was on, the, no, man. He started, he started the whole ice cream. Go back. Everybody go listen to that podcast. Yeah, that's true. Jack Nicholas. You can see where the whole ice cream thing started. What people didn't get to hear was before we started and then after we were done, we were still having fun needling one another about ice cream and food and, and all that stuff. So this week is a really special week. The one down side about this week uh-huh. mother nature there it's this tournament i'm not i'll say it it's cursed yeah they, there tends to be a lot of lot of uh severe weather, weather issues yeah and it it's a it's a it is a curse from an 
Native American tribal tribal chief from way back in the day. And I've actually been to the stone where the legend has happened. And there are stories of Mrs. Nicholas, like trying to make things right to help the tournament out. It's wild. Like there's all kinds. Google it. Just Google curse of Memorial curse of the Memorial and, and check out what you find. Cause it's fascinating it's kind of fascinating. The backstory of it is wild, and and everything that they've tried to do, and just Mother Nature. Look, yeah, look, I, look. There was a tornado last. I landed at nine o'clock at night. It was I in was, Dayton. Yeah, it was a very, and, there, it was a very, it was a very destructive tornado and, in Dayton. Well, well, there were also tornadoes in the Dublin area, which is where I'm staying, and the tournament itself is in Dublin just outside of Columbus. And there were two tornadoes on the ground in the Columbus area, not far from Dublin. Um, so the, even last night, the weather was not good. And the forecast for the rest of Tuesday, as we tape this Wednesday and Thursday, not great, not great. And I found your curse. It's the curse of chief leather lips. Correct. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not going to get it. We're not definitely not getting into that. No, that, that's no man, because we don't need that curse no, on us. That's the type of thing that'll make me miss my flight. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and and you're not gonna misspell that. We're making the uh, light of Chief Leatherlips. Uh, no, we're we not. Do, like, we are we not do, making fun of them. Our no. thoughts are with those in Dayton. I know it's it, it a horrible yeah. weather situation yeah. last One night in Ohio. So, so we're yeah. thinking about about you guys out there. As, as yeah. now the the sports world turns their attention to Ohio because Tiger's playing in the Memorial. Uh, quickly on Tiger expectations. Um, where my expectations have been for Tiger for a while now. I, this is a tune-up. Care? I don't. You don't care. I don't. If he don't win ever, if he doesn't even make another cut, you're, I don't. You're good to go. I am. I am so. And that's the beautiful thing of inner peace, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? Though I'm going to give I you credit. Here's why. Why I played golf with someone who completely agrees with you. Shout out oh, to because my it boy. came from someone else. You agree with him. A dude who kicks in the NFL for my team. So how am I going to not give you credit when my own kicker? Shout out to my boy Caleb Sturgis, who him and I played golf together. All right, we're not doing the Michael Collins name drop portion of the podcast. (laughs) Hey, man. Get to what you were saying. He's with my team, and he feels the same way. Right. He was so over the moon that Tiger won the Masters that he's cool. He would have been cool. If Tiger would have won the Masters and been like, thanks, good night. So would I. I don't know why anyone feels otherwise. Like, people are going to critique his game at the Memorial this week. This is obviously a tune-up for the next major championship. Because now what? Because now, guess what? If we get three more good years out of Tiger, three more, then that's 12 more major championships. Yeah, and you're going to get three more great performances at the Masters because, like one guy said on this podcast, his familiarity and comfort of the course is why he'll always be a threat there. But that's neither here nor there. Can I get you some Ben Gay? Because you keep you might pull no, a muscle, pat yourself on the back. Okay, continue. Friend. Continue. With what you're, go ahead. No, I really want to hear what you were going to say. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm, I'm Tiger fans are greedy, and yes, it's great that he came back and won the Masters. Yes, it was an emotional and awesome and fantastic and amazing, And but now I want some more. 
Yeah, no, no, no. I look. Let me put it in ice cream terms. I'll, yeah. Don't give please. me half a scoop. It's like a potato chip. Don't give me one potato chip. Let me Don't put it. Show me a bag of potato chips and be like, you want one? Let me not, put it in the term. One. Let me put it in the ice cream terms. You got a banana split super Sunday at the Masters that could make you never want ice cream again. Now I want the cherry. That I was the cherry. the cherry. Nah, no. Right. Nah. So, no, I, I, in all seriousness, I think Tiger going to the memorial because he's obviously not going to play at the RBC Canadian Open. Uh, he's has, this is his tune up for the U.S. Open. He'll play in this. He'll take that week off. He'll start his early preparation. I am excited that I'm he's teeing it up this week because I believe that he needs that tournament pre-pebble. I'm not because if Tiger plays and gets into contention and plays on the weekend with the weather that's here. Yeah, what an awful soft thing that would be. Starting it, yeah, you know why it'll be awful? Because we already know that Tiger grinding the way he did to win the Masters, there's no way he's ready for the U.S. Open in a week. It just ain't going to happen. Oh, you're talking Sorry. physically? Yes. Yeah, but he'll he'll miss a four-foot putt to extend the weekend. <laughs> you know how I feel about that. That That's my thought on that. All right. The thing is, is you know I'm cut. right. Oh. In 20 years, when we're sitting with Tiger somewhere, and we're having, you know, in 20 years I'll be 60 and he'll be 60, what, three? We'll be somewhere at one of those, like, charity events. We'll be like, hey. The match playing Austin. Did you miss that four footer on purpose? <laughs> um, just because I look, I know I'm right. Um, quickly before we get out of here, give uh, give Kevin Na your your love for the caddy thing. Tell the story real quick. Oh, it was awesome. Kevin Na's caddy Kenny Harms at the beginning of the week saw that the winner of Colonial was going to be given a 1973 muscle car. So he looks over at Kevin and goes, "Hey, when we win this week, that car is mine." And Kevin goes, "Okay, cool." If we win, you get the car. And he kept on it. Hey, I'm going to win this car this week and put it on social media. Hey, if we win, I'm getting this car. Here's the best part. Sunday, 18th hole, Kevin makes a birdie putt to win by, what, two or three, three now. After the putt goes in, does the yell, looks at Kenny, looks at the car, and goes, that's yours. The car is yours. Awesome. And then goes and gives him a hug. I love so it. So Kenny not only gets his 10%, you know, and the best part, our Twitter followers and put on good thing that it wasn't Matt Kuchar who won. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to take it one step further and be like, good thing it wasn't a Pat Perez deal of top five payday. I don't want to talk about that. I didn't man, think you PGA would. The championship yeah. because I, I'll admit I jinxed it. Yeah, I know you did. Anyone who was in the newsroom, they're like, hey, Collins is big on Pat Perez. I'm going to take him my daily fantasy. I'm like, you morons, don't you ever listen? If Collins is hot on someone, don't take him. And they all took Pat Perez, and you ruined it for everyone. How did Finau do with yours, though? Oh, it's not good. <laughs> all right, I got to run. I got to go watch the future of smart America and and just – I have fun with all them homeschool kids looking all <laughs> disheveled around more children than they've ever been around before in their entire lives. Let me look. Let me tell you something though. These, How many safe spaces are they going to have there? Yeah, I would watch out for these kids because one of them a is going to be your boss, and b the other one's going to be running NASA. So you would, I, I would best respect them, ice cream boy. All right, none of, none of them going to be my boss right there. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the memorial. I look forward to catching up with you on television this weekend. Uh, tell Jack, Scott Tolley, and the whole group I said hello. 
Yeah, big time. I wish you were here because this town does have the greatest burger on tour. Ooh. And wings like you've never seen All right, before. pictures, There's post pictures on Maddie and Caddy. Thurman Cafe. These chicken wings, I'm telling you, these chickens were in prison. Hey, look. <laughs> <laughs> Do whatever you can to get free meals. Um, all right. <laughs> I don't get free. I pay for it, man. I post pay it for it. Social media. Yeah, I Collins will. is the guy that gets the free food and still does his per diem. All right. That's it. For the cat. For the caddy. I'm the Maddie. This is Maddie and the Caddy, the podcast. Thanks for listening to Maddie and the Caddy. Check out more great ESPN podcasts in the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Maddie and the Caddy.